Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining podcasts. Society-13.com. I like to listen. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. to this podcast. Be aware, this show often uses very naughty language. If you don't like that, you shouldn't listen. Send your complaints to I am a whiny baby with no sense of humour at nightstory.com or stop by the studio. I'll take you for a ride to a story of my choosing. Welcome to episode 512 of the Ninth Story Podcast. I'm Jeanette Andromeda, and today you are going to hear a lot of voices from the Uncanny County Podcast and beyond, 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 which is why Immortal Alexander is playing the role of audio engineer this episode, because we're really going to need it. (laughs) Though hopefully, to you, it'll sound as smooth as butter in your ears. That's not weird. Anyway... First up, we have a clip from the Uncanny County podcast. And then on to the interview with Allison Crane, Todd Faulkner, and a few other special guests, one of whom you will most likely recognize. You're riding alone on a moonlit but starless night. You just missed your exit. Now there's only one way back home. So sit back, open your ears, and hold on tight. Because you're about to take a quick detour through Uncanny County. Are you nervous? A little. What if she's in there? Well, that's a point, ain't it? She never missed one of Bobby Blue's shows when he came through, so I figured this is the place to start. We'll go to all of them and eventually, eventually we'll find her. But... We'll find her, Annie. Okay. Never seen him in person before. Me neither. Do you see her? My eyes are still adjusting. Hey, sit down! Ladies, there's an empty table toward the front. Come on. Sorry, excuse me. Here. Well, hey there. Oh, hey, Susan. I didn't know you were working here. Yeah, well, you know, nice to see y'all. What can I get you two to drink? Nothing for me, thanks. Uh, I'm real sorry. We got a two-drink minimum. I'd let it slide, but my manager... Huh? Oh, sure. A beer. Whatever you got, it doesn't matter. Alrighty. And for you, Annie? Do you have any of that pre-mixed pina colada stuff? No, we're not that fancy. Oh. Okay, I'll have an amaretto sour, please. Sure thing. I'll be right back with your drink. 
Thank you very much. She's not here, Lana. Not yet. We have to wait. Okay. Lana. What? Say she does come. What then? What then? Yeah, I mean, you can't make her come home if she doesn't want to. We'll talk to her. Well, what will you say? I'll ask her why she left, where she's been. I'll tell her, I'll just tell her to come home. I miss her too. Yeah. I like his voice, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty good. And he's handsome. I guess. This is, well, it's actually kind of nice, ain't it? Yeah. No. I mean, we're not here to have a good time. I know, but, well, I didn't expect to, but aren't you kind of enjoying yourself anyway? Enjoying the music? Maybe a little. I'm glad we did this. Even if she doesn't show up. Yeah. Bobby Blue is the most popular crooner in the Tri-Counties. When he plays at the Wolf Trap Lounge, folks come from as far away as Good Hope Farms to hear his dulcet tones. Annie and Lana are there for a different reason. They're on a mission where there's no room for distractions. But distractions are everywhere in Uncanny County. Thanks, folks. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. You've been great. I'll be here all week. Did you hear that, Annie? He'll be back tomorrow. She might come then. We have to come back. Okay. We'll come back tomorrow. Uh, today on the Ninth Story Podcast, we have special guests Allison Crane and Todd Faulkner from the Uncanny County Podcast. Also, Dan Foytek, whom all of you should know, who is the creator of the Ninth Story Podcast. So, say hi, Allison. Hi, Allison. Sweet. <laughs> say hi, Todd. Hi, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> This annoying cackling voice is Jeanette, so now you all know your voice is here. So, <laughs> this is definitely um, the biggest interview call we've done, and I'm very excited to do this, especially since you guys are uh, podcasters that I've been very much enjoying. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you guys are in uh, pre-production for season two? We are. We are uh, writing away. Nice. Writing and writing and writing. Yes. So you're just in like super create mode right now. Pretty much. We're starting to map out and, uh, you know, we've locked a few recording dates in the calendar now. So that's progress. Um, yeah. Starting to assemble casts for a couple as we're finalizing the scripts. And, uh, you know, it, it feels like we're about to get back in the full swing uh, creatively. It's uh it's you know i'm not gonna lie it's it's been rough um things in the world have been very strange in the past six months mm -hmm. and uh you know i think that's that's impacted us and uh we're coming back yeah <laughs> but it's 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 been tougher than i thought and you know part of that's probably sophomore slump i mean there's a certain um element to you know when you when you start a podcast like this you you have a, an end goal 
of so many episodes. You do it, you get there, you know, by hook or by crook and, you know, running on fumes at the end. And then you kind of collapse in a heap anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you, you throw into that, um, you know, just the big changes that have happened in the world, some other personal things that have been going on uh, with various members of our creative team and whatnot. Everybody's good, but, you know, it's just, it's been a, it's been a very busy and trying uh, several months in between, you know, the end of our last season starting now. And it's really good to be just about to be back in production. Honestly, it, it feels great. It, it is. It is. And it's tough because, you know, it's not, we have, we have other jobs and families and, um, you know, it's, it's, it would be great if it were the only thing we had to focus on, but it's not. And, um, so, you know, there's a lot of, uh, juggling going on, but, you know, we finally, you know, we've, we've been passing scripts back and forth and, you know, scheduling recording dates and everything. And that feels really nice. So, um, we're getting, we're back in the uncanny mindset. <laughs> <laughs> so, so has some of the success that you've had in the first season impacted kind of coming back into the second season? Because I know when we create things, we always hope that they're going to do well. We think they're going to do well. We believe in what we're doing. But whenever you have such a successful first season out of the gate, how does that impact kind of what the expectations are for season two? Do you feel... Um, that people are expecting a certain thing from you, or do you just kind of ignore that and continue on with what you were doing? I I think our you know the reaction to our first season and the, you know the way it just so many people latched onto it and loved it and enjoyed it was just a wonderful surprise to us. Um, and you know, frankly, we still you know on some level I think can't believe that as many people are listening <laughs> to our little stories as are, and it just keeps growing and it's wonderful. And, you know, thank you uh, sincerely to everyone, to you guys who've been very supportive and uh, to, you know, the, the, the entire, you know, our entire podcast audience in which we hope will continue to grow. Um, you know, yeah, that's, that's probably put a little additional pressure because, um, and you start this thing in kind of a vacuum and you are just kind of like, okay, I'm just throwing this stuff at the wall and you're really kind of going out there and taking risks and doing, you know, crazy stuff. And then suddenly people are listening and you're like, Oh wait, um, can I do this? Is this too weird? Am I gonna, <laughs> am I gonna turn people off? Can I, can I, you know, um, yeah. you know, and I, I, we experimented a little bit with form, uh, towards the end of last season, we did a short for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but for the most part, we, I, I think we're just, we're just going to kind of try to keep doing the same thing. You know, it's, we're not going to be throwing out a lot of, uh, surprises and formats. We're going to, you know, be doing the same kind of half hour or, or less, uh, weird episodes, some connections, you know, between episodes Our our poor Sheriff Rowland's going to have a lot on her hands as always, uh, going from place to place in the County. But, um, you know, it's it's like I said earlier. There's there's that element of sophomore slump where it, it was so successful and so well received that you know yeah you know on some level I'm afraid that you know is it going to live up to it you know and and yeah. it will. I mean we're we're coming up with really fun stuff and and it's it's just it's great to hear other you know the other writers' ideas because we all kind of you know we do have little times where we brainstorm either you know over the internet or in person we have our writers' meetings and we share our scripts and throw them around but for the most part we kind of go off on our own and cook up our own thing 
pretty much entirely. Uh, you know, uh, Allison and I and uh, my wife, Nicole, who's our other, you know, primary uh, writer in season one and looks like in season two, too. Um, I just say that because we have more writers coming in, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, all have a good sense of, you know, I think the tone we're going for and that kind of, you know, weird Americana, you know, uh, down home meets Twilight Zone thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and we kind of have a sense of what that is. And we all kind of go away and we cook up these things that are very different, but that all kind of fit in that same world. Does that sound right to you, Allison? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's not without input from, you know, from other folks. Like, you know, Todd is the first person I send a draft to. And uh, then he'll give me a lot of great notes and his thoughts and that kind of that I can say, oh, OK. And it, it helps me. He's very good at helping me figure out the story I'm actually trying to tell. <laughs> well, that, that goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Alice is the same with me. And uh, yeah, it's a nice collaborative safe space. Mm hmm. You know, we're we're all a bunch of introverts. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we do, but we are very good with uh, sharing thoughts in a positive way. So mm -hmm. how long um, before season one really was published, were you two working together on stories? Uh, was it a year? I think it was a year. It was maybe even a little longer. Yeah. Uh, we, we first, Allison first had the uh, impetus because we had met... Uh, we're both from Oklahoma, but, you know, we're several years apart in the theater scene there. Uh, I'm older. Uh, and we we didn't meet till we lived in New York. We met through a mutual friend, Bill Frankie, who's one of our producers as well, um, and decided we needed to work together. And Allison cooked up something. Um, what was it, the end of 2014 or was it, no, it was 2015? I feel like it was, was it Christmas 2014? It was right. after Coyote Katie. Was right. that year? So... Uh, Do you want to tell them about that, or? Oh, it was just a, a play, a play I'd written and was performed at the Fringe. But everybody who worked on it, we all wanted to continue collaborating and working together. Nice. Um, so that play was kind of where this started. Um. Well, it was sort of like the the just the the group of people. You know, we we just really enjoyed working together. Mm -hmm. And Todd, um, uh, and Todd and I had wanted to work together, and um, so kind of. Todd and those of us who worked on the show, um, we came together and tried to, you know, figure out ways to keep working together to get our writing out there. And uh, I think that was 2014, pretty sure. Awesome. So and why, um, since you both come from theater and then Todd, I know you also work in film and television. Why did you both decide on a podcast? Well, when... Uh Allison doesn't give herself enough credit uh, because. Oh, Todd, we're losing you. Yep. Yeah, you're losing me. Yeah. yeah. You sound like you just went like way further down the field. You <laughs> got abducted by aliens. <laughs> He's being beamed away. Again. Oh man, you were saying that can Allison doesn't give herself enough credit. Yep, we can I was hear you. I think she doesn't give herself enough credit because she she really got the ball rolling. She put together. Uh, the idea of doing one acts and we were going to do them seasonally, like around Christmas, around, you know, I, I don't know if it was me quarterly or around major holidays, but the idea was that they were one acts based around roadside attractions. Mm -hmm. And um, we did these uh, for a little play reading around Christmas of that year. And uh, after the fact, realized that two out of the three had a supernatural bent. 
And that kind of, we started talking about that. And then our, our executive producer, uh, who is also from Oklahoma, uh, Jessica Walker, mm-hmm. um, had said, you know, you guys should really record those plays as podcasts and just put it out there. And we were talking about all these things we wanted to do. And I'd mentioned I always wanted to do kind of a Twilight Zone and the American Southwest and the podcast, and we wanted to keep the plays going. And at some point we realized we were all talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, I, I've also done some directing and producing of, you know, web series, uh, did a low budget pilot for television, sitcom, you know, all that stuff. And it's, it's just so expensive and so much work and uh, so many people involved in the crew and all that to do it right. And we started to realize with podcasts, of course, that we can do anything we put enough thought into how to present without pictures. In other words, if we figure out how to do the sound effects and the narration, the, the dialogue correctly, we can literally go anywhere and do anything. So that's where we thought, okay, we're onto something. Because we kept coming up with these, you know, at least I kept coming up with these huge, crazy stories <laughs> that I couldn't possibly pull off without a Michael Bay budget. Mm-hmm. Um, Army of tiny clowns. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of tiny clowns. Uh, <laughs> I guess that'd be a Sam Raimi budget. But anyway. Um, and, you know, with, with audio, you, you you can do anything. Yeah, there's really been this new revival of kind of, I mean, I don't want to call it Sam Raimi. What I think he was about to say is that there's been this amazing revival of audio, like audio drama. And how old time radio has like kind of found a new home inside of the podcasting world, and um, I'm not sure where that thought was going, Dan. If you're still there, oh, I'm still here. I don't know if you can hear me though. No, we oh, uh, we barely could. <laughs> Wonderful, I can no. hear you now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know where my I don't know where my train of thought was going either. Now <laughs> it's it's derailed. Um, no, I, I think uh, where where I was going with that is, you know, there's there seems to be this great hunger for story now, and people when they're on their commutes and driving and going places, and it's really something where you can reach anybody anywhere, no matter what they're doing, whether they're at the gym, they're cutting the grass, whatever. It's people want more than just the talk show or music; they want something that entertains, and I think it's really been cool to see this revival of that old art form modernized for the modern view listener, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really fun to be a part of it. Cause it's, it's such a welcoming and friendly and encouraging community. Yeah. We've gotten to know so many creators, uh, across the country. And in some cases, some people outside of the country, um, and it's really appreciated. And it's, it's just, it's fun. Cause people, you know, you're right. There's, there's very much, a movement, I think, to modernize it. And that means mm-hmm. a lot of different things, which is very exciting. It can just be, you know, taking what might have a few years ago just been an audiobook and adding a lot of additional elements to it, some characters that speak, but mainly it's narration, some sound effects, or it can be like what we do, a full-blown audio production. Um, some people are doing very stylized, old-time radio dramas, which is something we veered away from because we wanted to do a more naturalistic acting style and all that. But there are people who are doing that heightened style and having great success with that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then plus you have like the whole, you know, the found footage thing and the very supernaturalistic style of, you know, shows like, I guess, Homecoming and um, uh, I'm blanking. Uh, 
Archive 81, that's the big found. Uh, Black Tapes, and yeah, Black I tapes. think Archive 81 is who makes it. I might be yeah. wrong, but... <laughs> uh, There's two different creators. Uh, Black Tapes is uh, the same as... Um, Oh, gosh. Tannis. Tannis, yeah. yeah Northwest, Tannis. Right. Northwest Stories or, yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. And, and Archive 81 is actually a separate one. It's the same guy gotcha. that does the vault. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, this, the, the, you're right about the community. That's been one of the things that I've enjoyed in doing the lift is just this this very welcoming and, and collaborative community where we all understand that we're making something that takes And Dan <clears throat> was washed away in the sea of sound. Meanwhile, um, <laughs> back in uh, hey. Todd and Allison land, there you are, Dan. <laughs> Let's go to it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna even. I'm done trying. <laughs> we just, we uh, keep losing I, you. Dan, are you actually in the elevator right now? <laughs> He's calling us from the clown motel. Yeah. So <laughs> the community. Translation is he's giving props to the community and did you clerk? I'm a robot. Um, I love you, Dan. <laughs> I can't hear you at all. So um, I did actually have another question. Sure. For both of you, which is how have you cultivated your team and what is your team like who's building this podcast with you? I'm thinking specifically of like your composers because you have some really fantastic music that's coming in, like with the ballad of Bobby Blue, um, which Allison wrote, and and a lot of your episodes have a lot of this like richness to the sound. And I'm curious, is it just you guys making all this magic, or uh, who's helping? Um, well, now now Bobby Blue is a case where uh, Allison brought in uh, a wonderful composer, Matthew C. Pritchard. He's um a uh, friend of mine, an amazing sound designer and um, singer, songwriter. And uh, and we've been wanting to, he, he's designed sound for both of my um, friend shows. And I wanted to do this episode where I had an idea, but the music was an integral part of it. And so I approached him and he was all on board for it. And so he, he composed the songs specifically for that episode, um, he did. He performed the the um, the instrumental music for it, uh, and he also did all of the sound design, which was a wow. humongous help because we were <laughs> because we were approaching the end of the season and <laughs> were all completely exhausted. And <laughs> he just came in and did this brilliant sound design, and and um, it took a huge burden uh, off of me anyway. And did a, a great job of it. I mean, the, the rest, you know, uh, obviously the, the kind of the brain trust of the show started with the one X uh, back in, you know, a couple of years back. But, you know, my uh, wife and I have worked together on many things. We brought her in as a writer. She also produces her own stuff. Uh, so far, the episodes, other than the one Maddie did, either uh, Allison or I or Nicole have produced Bill did some production on the top, and I kind of uh, we worked together on that. That's um, awesome. So yeah, most of the sounds and music. I mean, you know, we do use a lot of uh, uh, canned music, you know, uh, but we just we we take the time and search out and find good stuff. Um, but you know, royalty free kind of stuff mm -hmm. you can use podcasts and stuff like that. 
because that whole issue is very sticky. You have to be careful where you get your music, apparently. Yeah. But we have, so that's good. Um, but, you know, the greatest thing about, the, the thing that I love so much about our show, and I think Allison would agree with me, is really our actors. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I feel like we, we just, you know, uh, there's, there's other shows where the acting is as good. I don't think there's anywhere it's better. I feel like our actors are the best. I think they're awesome. I can't brag on them enough. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of that is just we're lucky enough to live in New York City and we have a wealth of talent to draw from. Mm -hmm. We often find ourselves writing for specific people we know um, and really tailoring things to them. We also, you know, towards the end of last season, I did uh, uh, an episode called Home is Where the Spice Is and I got it in my head. I really wanted to expand our world and not just use the same actors again as much as I love them. And, you know, we had auditions and we brought in some brand new people. And, you know, really uh, of my leads in that show, four of them were people I'd never met until they walked in the studio. Wow. Uh, I had conversed with them and spoken with them and, you know, heard their auditions online and worked them all that. And, uh, and then the fourth was a guy I had worked with like 30 years ago in theater. So, and we just got back together on this project. So it was kind of amazing. Um, but I think, you know, living in New York is very helpful for that because we have a, just an enormous talent pool. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, so thank you. I was definitely curious about that. Also props to you guys for just composing and like this show, not just in words, but in sound, because that's definitely a big part of why this sounds like your show's just incredibly polished. And yes, your voice talent has a huge part to do with that. Um, so to wriggle back into the writing aspect of this, I'm, uh, part of what we're trying to do with the ninth story as we move forward is to kind of educate our, our listeners who a lot of which are writers. Um, and I'm curious to hear where both of your individual stories to become writers started. For me, it was a very circuitous route. I mean, back in high school, I used to write short stories and I was obsessed with the Twilight Zone and I wanted to be Stephen King or Rod Serling. Mm -hmm. And I wrote weird stuff like that. And then I also got really involved in theater and discovered that it was a much easier way to meet girls. <laughs> so I kind of stuck with that and I kind of dropped the writing for many years. Um, got back to it, you know, starting to dabble in screenwriting again, starting with horror. And just kind of dabbled and wrote, and I, you know, I got a script option that was never produced, and um, you know, wound my way through that. I started writing sketch comedy a lot when I moved to New York, and directing short films to go with the sketch comedy live. Uh, my wife and I wrote a screenplay, which was a kind of a postmodern breakdown of romantic comedy, kind of like Scream was to horror films, mm -hmm. that with romantic comedies, but it never got made. Um, but we optioned it and made some money off of this. That was nice. nice. Yay, money. <laughs> um, money's all spent now. But, um, and, you know, just eventually that kind of kept going. We wrote more shorts, more ambitious shorts. We did this pilot that Nicole wrote with uh, her two other writing partners about zookeepers living in Manhattan, and that was uh, <laughs> Living in Captivity. That was fun. I directed that. Um, but then the writing kept going to a web series and ultimately to this. Uh, back to weird stories about monsters and, you know, uh, weird happenings in small towns, which is mm -hmm. kind of where I started all those years ago. Kind of weird. I, um, 
I was in theater for, you know, most of my life and as an actress and um, in grad school, I, I uh, worked on a lot of um, uh, original works. I mean, as an actor, uh, worked with playwrights who were developing plays um, and uh, always really enjoyed that collaborative process. But I didn't actually start writing until I guess after I graduated um, from grad school. Uh, I woke up one night with an idea for a play. I wrote about two scenes, didn't go, didn't know where to go next. Uh, it sat on my computer for 10 years. <laughs> and then um, I had, I was thinking about it one day and um, had kind of a breakthrough on it and finished it over the course of, you know, with developed it over the course of a year, year and a half. And then it was accepted into the uh, New York Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. And so it was produced. And then uh, I did another, wrote another full length play, which was in the Fringe Festival two years later. Um, and then, I don't know, just suddenly I began not suddenly, but over time, I began identifying more as a playwright than as an actor. Um, it used to be actress slash playwright, and now I would say playwright, you know, first. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, just then Uncanny County, and that's it. That's the <laughs> that's where we are. Isn't it, isn't it funny though? How because I, I had a similar flip, yeah. uh, where you know, maybe five years ago, six years ago, I did just kind of think like, you know, no writing, I'm a writer. Yeah. And, you know, that's when I, you know, started working on a novel and working on some different, you know, and it just, it just flipped on my head. And the funny thing was, as soon as that happened, I, I got a lot better auditions. And <laughs> I, I honestly, it's like, I would do better because I wouldn't be so working, worrying so hard about, you know, getting the part. I was like, I, okay, if I get this, I have to shoot it. And then that's less time to write. And that's a pain in the butt. So, you know, obviously when you don't care about something, then you get it. And I, I care about it. Of course I care. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny because of that, that flip where it's just like, I don't, I don't think of myself as an actor anymore. I, it's, yeah. I mean, I do as an actor, but it's, I'm mainly a writer. Yeah. Yeah. You come to it more relaxed, essentially. Exactly. It's like, it, it, it's more about just the joy of doing it rather than trying to get somewhere with it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Does make sense. <laughs> also, also, there's something, I mean, acting is, is a wonderful thing and it's wonderful to be a part of a collaborative process and, and, but there's something about creating your own thing that's just fulfilling in a way I hadn't imagined before. Uh, until I started doing it. And there's just, there's something that is just really rewarding. And the fact that Todd and I and our team are, are making this, this thing, and we're, we're making all of it, you know, we're, we're writing it, we're producing it, we're, we're acting in it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's probably the most creatively fulfilled I've been ever. Oh, yeah, it's always a cool thing when you can come to something and be a storyteller. I mean, it, mm -hmm. re regardless of what medium, um, but you, you had the tools and it, it kind of almost sometimes feels like you, you did your homework, you know, like all the things that happened had to happen in order for me to be able to tell the story that I want in the way that I want. And it's really cool to see you guys do that. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Everything you know in life leads you, you know. I guess if you're a storyteller, ultimately you get to that point and you tell the story, and that's all. You're right. It's brought you to that point. Mm-hmm. So when things finally clicked for both of you as writers, do you remember if there was like one lesson or a book or something that you would constantly use as reference for your writing? I wouldn't say constantly, mm-hmm. just because I I jump around a lot. I mean, every few years I revisit. Uh, I revisit Robert McKee's story. I think it's an excellent, excellent overview of storytelling in general, although it's more tailored towards screenwriting. I, I, I find my inspiration more in watching good storytelling, you know, yep. or, or, or reading. I, I you know, exactly. I, one of the things that, you know, we're, we're trying to do in this show is uh, do our small part to, you know, bring more female roles into the world because Mm -hmm. there's such a dearth of them in the rest of creative media. We work towards that. So, you know, I go back to Joss Whedon a lot and I watch a lot of Buffy Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, the man draws active, fun, well-rounded, cool characters and he knows how to tell a story and he knows how to take you along in that ride and make you laugh and cry in the same episode. I mean, that's the best. Um, So I guess I, I take more inspiration from reading work, Mm-hmm. work uh, than I do from how-to uh, manuals and such. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't think I've ever read a a writing, a how-to-write kind of book. <laughs> read lots of how-to-act kind of books. But yeah. Not, but, <laughs> well, uh, I, but I, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I watch Twin Peaks at least once a year because that, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, because because that's sort of that's a world that really speaks to me. Um, and uh, and you know um, the quirky characters and the surrealism and um, you know the small town, uh, the weird small town, um, which is kind of a thing we do in Uncanny mm-hmm. County. Strange small towns. I agree with Todd. You know, it's more like watching things that that inspire me and. Um, and speak to me that um, uh, those things that I I go back to. Yeah. If you look carefully, there's so many great examples of good storytelling out there. I mean, Twin Peaks was obviously well before its time, but you know, I think it's, it's resonated with newer viewers now because like a lot of things, Lynch was ahead of his time. So there's definitely very strong Twin Peaks and Twilight Zones and even some Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy type of stuff that I can see influenced into your work and it's it's really cool whenever all that stuff comes together in the right right way well thank you and that's uh, you know i'll tell you i just rewatched season one of the twilight zone and yeah that that is a big one um it's so good god that show was so good uh so political and so uh sneaky about it it was really very um amazing and uh, anyway but where i was heading with that is that you know, we, we do you know, a lot of the times even we'll see those older things, or I will, uh, and think, oh, that's a cool idea, but what if, and, you know, try to look at it with more modern perspective, and that'll lead me down the road to a new story and inspire me in that way, if that makes sense. That does kind make of, sense. That does make sense. Almost like jazz, you know, like, okay, yeah. well, they did it this way, now I'm going to try it like that, and just kind of riff on the idea <laughs> until it's different enough that it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely just pulling inspiration. X-Files is another big influence mm-hmm. for uh, both Allison and mm-hmm. so. They had some really great funny episodes. I mean, those are some of my favorites. You know, that you look back at 
I mean, obviously there's the overarching story and there's, there's a very serious aspect to it, but they, they really knew how to just let loose and have a fun episode every once in a while. I'm a, I'm an, I am firmly in the standalone episode camp on that show. I mean, I love them all and I've seen them all multiple times, yeah. but, and, but, but, uh, the standalone, if I name my favorite episodes, you know, 80% of them are the standalones and, and the funny ones, you know, yeah, Jose Chung's from outer space. Jose is probably Chung. My, yeah. Yeah. What is the name of the one, Allison, that where they're at the, the, the vampire? Oh, that blood. What is it? Blood. Blood. With Luke, with Luke where, Wilson. Exactly. Half his perspective and half her perspective. Yes. Such a brilliant feat. So funny. Still a completely valid, standalone, solid tale. So yeah. smart. It's yeah. so smart. But, you know, Clyde Bruckman is oh, the, the, the best, I don't know, maybe the best television ever. I mean, it's so yeah. wonderful. It just strikes all of, it's just, it's perfect. It's a perfect, you know, 45 minutes of of television it's it's funny it's poignant it's um spooky it's just it's just everything and peter boyle is so wonderful and heartbreaking in it it's just it's it's the best i mean I, their best episode i can honestly say was this was that standalone episode it's arguably the best thing peter boyle's ever done and I, that's saying something i mean because yeah. holy crap i mean he was amazing yeah it's it's very um wonderful so yeah, I I my favorites are the, are the standalones, which yeah. maybe an unpopular opinion, but <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, it's Those it's are the funny. Fun ones. Yeah, Vince Gilligan's. Uh, well, you know, so yeah, Vince Gilligan's episodes. Um, but you know, when this most when this uh, last uneven season uh, came out um, last year, uh, was it last year? Um, a lot of people complained. They were like, oh, you know, they they should have spent the whole time on the mythology. They stuck these, you know, one-offs in there. And it was like, no, you, that, but of that season, the one-offs were the good episodes. <laughs> you know, the the mythology episodes were the, the really, like, um, you know, kind of um, not so well-written, you know, yeah. not so yeah. compelling. So, right. you know, I, yeah. So um, but this is their... There are people that really, really wanted more of the mythology. And well, I, so I think you kind of tap into that with Uncanny County, too. It's like you just have the fun episodes instead of <laughs> like the continuing. You have that underlying connection, but you seem to really just shine with these one off stories and then the kind of the connecting character. I can definitely see how X-Files is like played into your story building. <laughs> we have there, there's a few, you know. Most of it is Easter eggs. You know, mm -hmm. most of it is, oh, that's the character from this, that, oh, that's the, you know. But there's, we're, we're planting a few things here and there that, you know, they, they may pay off, they may not, we'll just have to see. <laughs> so um, what's been, uh, for, this is a question for both of you, but what's been your favorite aspect of creating this podcast? Um, I mean, I would definitely say the collaboration, um, you know, the, the, the collaboration with Todd and the rest of the team and, and just how, you know, we can, you know, I can take an idea and with, you know, their help, we can flesh it out into something that's, that's, you know, way better than what I started with. <laughs> it really is a case where we all make each other stronger. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think we've all grown as writers. Uh, certainly since, you know, we started with the one act plays way back when. And uh, I think we continue to grow. I, I love being in the studio. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I love being in the room uh, with all the actors and hearing the words come to life. And because that's when you first get your first little glimpse into the finished project and it suddenly has this big life beyond uh, the words on the page. And it's just, it's just always so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It's stressful. It's crazy Mm because you never have time. But uh, no matter how much time you allot, you never have enough because, you know, you always want it. Just one more take. Just a little better. (laughs) A little, try it this way instead. Try it this, you know, a little improv. So uh, do you bring a lot of, um, do you bring a lot of the actors into the studio at the same time to record? We do. Yeah. Nice. Um, Yeah, that's, that's another thing that, you know, there's uh, different approaches uh, within audio drama. A lot of people will have their cast record lines separately remotely at different locations. Sometimes they'll have them come in one at a time to the same studio, cut all their lines together. Uh, I've done some voiceover work like that for animation and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they can work great like that. We like to get the people in the room together. Mm-hmm. Um, it limits us a little cause we have to get a studio big enough to do that. Um, and we have it's to be really careful cool. about microphone noise and all that. But to us, it just, it brings a dimension of, uh, surprise, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, and there's chemistry, you know, which is, which you really can't fake, Yeah. you know, we have two actors who are who are actually like responding organically to one another and you know certain actors you know when they get in there and they click and it's just delightful and they bring something to it that that wasn't even on the page you know they bring a relationship and a depth uh to uh the writing that if they had been in separate places we wouldn't have you know if they if they'd recorded their lines separately um, and that's just something, um, that, that's, that's something that's important to us, um, uh, in our story, storytelling. We don't rule out trying one the other way at some mm-hmm. point, you know, circumstances warrant. Is there somebody we really want to play a role and they're in, I don't know, France and they just have yeah. to record in a closet and send us the audio and we put it together? Well, we'll try. And if we can make it work, <laughs> it'll work. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, for the most part, yeah, we like the, the chemistry. It's tough. I mean, I, I do I do most of my stuff for even for the Wicked Library for the Lift from different locations. So, you know, I, I have someone in England that sends me a part. And, and that is the challenge is trying to get everything to match up. I mean, it does help if you work with folks that are really talented. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it definitely, you know, we, we uh, Allison was kind enough to let the library, et cetera. No, it's 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 fun when it comes together. Dan, I think I, Victoria tore you away, and this time she took you to the basement just to show you what's in the <laughs> furnace. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't I didn't get much of that. No, nope. <laughs> but I did hear I did have a really awesome time doing the Wicked Library. So I think you know, that's what he was what he was saying. Yeah, so, I, yeah I was just giving us an example of of the yeah. the remote situation and, and how sometimes it can work, but it can definitely be a challenge other times. Well, I can imagine, I can imagine it must be, um, it must be a really, um, it must be really painstaking to, to get the levels to match and to cut the lines together and everything. And I think it takes, um, it takes a lot of skill as an audio, um, person to do. And, and, you know, it, you know, like with your show, like a lot of times it comes out really great. Um, 
Um, but I, I personally, as somebody who is new to the audio, um, relatively new to audio production, I would have such a hard time uh, making it sound good. <laughs> well, that's, it's definitely yeah. a challenge. I mean, especially when you have things where people need to step on each other's lines or go over top of each other. Yeah. It's, it's hard to fake that interaction that you're talking about. That's when you're in the room together, it's something beautiful. <laughs> well, that's funny, though, because when we're in the room together, I usually try to get my actors not to actually overlap the lines <laughs> so with the timing and post. I mean, seriously, I'll, I'll like uh, when we did our Martian episode, um, the Orson Welles piece, um, what I pictured in my head started coming to life differently in the room. And it was much funnier. And I realized halfway through the post, I was like, it's coming together. It's OK, but it's it needs to be a Frasier episode. I realized that the pace was more like a Frasier episode or ton. If I, if I made it faster and had more overlapping, it would be funnier. And it, it was, you know, but I couldn't have done that if it hadn't really overlapped. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, but yeah, I have such a respect for you guys who can do that with the remote actors and put it together and have such a wonderful product when you're done because yeah, the levels, the timing, the all the, I just, my hat's off to you. Cause that's, that's hard. I mean, we had a really rough time with the same, um, Oh, sorry, I've got sirens happening here. They must be going to save Dan from the basement. Yeah, maybe so. Right. <laughs> I, we had a rough time. We had to re-record part of an episode. Um, and it, we just had to match up two parts of an, you know, of, of the same episode uh, recorded on different days. But the, um, the studio where we'd recorded the first time they had done construction and um the booth had changed it was oh. there it was noisier i mean it just the you know the the room noise had changed and we were unable to make it match and we had yeah. to we had to scrap the episode for that we're, it's gonna happen this season um it was meant to happen last season but it, it ended up just being it was it was impossible it was impossible to match and it was you know the same actors in a in the same room but on a different day when the, the room had changed because there had been construction uh done around it and and it had just it changed the the room tone so so i just like i i have i get so i get anxiety about the thought of like having <laughs> actors record in different locations and then having to make them match <laughs> yeah that was that was uh, we tried everything to make that match and and yeah yeah, it was it was rough, and and now it's just going to be in season two then. Yes, we're, nice. we're <laughs> going to re-record uh, that yeah. section and uh, give ourselves a little more lead time in case we have to you know do any more matching. But we're in a uh, we've gone to a little higher end studio uh, nice. for season two, and we uh, have we're going to have an, an engineer uh, like a pro a professional engineer that for that studio um, really. Uh, help us match it you know that day lucky, lucky. yeah seriously well, we got to. we just realized that we had to for, for this particular episode because it was just this it was we poured so much time and and more money than we wanted to spend into oh. into that episode for no pay you know it just didn't pay off and so we want to do it right it's um, not just that because that's just you know we, we could talk all day about sunk cost fallacy yeah <laughs> but it's <laughs> The, the the bigger story is that um, we, we lost one of our actors uh, and good oh. friends this past you know uh, uh, 
shortly before we launched, yeah. uh, he passed away. And uh, he was our, our trucker in uh, 11th Hour. Yeah. And uh, we realized, you know, he, he did some other great character work for us. Um, but then shortly before we launched, he passed away. And we, you know, this, uh, this episode has his final performance. And uh, we're going to honor that. We're going to get it out there. So that's, that's why we're not letting it go. That makes sense. You can't. He, I mean, I, I totally get that. Yeah. And he's so good in it. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. And, and so it, would, it was a choice of either re-recording the whole episode without him mm-hmm. or recording the, the section that we needed to re-record and matching it. And so that's that's what we're determined to do. <laughs> I realized we didn't say who we're talking about, and it's, uh, it was Ron Sanborn, who was uh, just magnificent. Yeah, he's much missed. Yeah, that's I so mean, now that I made it all somber. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's it's really okay because you know I think part of why we make art is to deal with um, deal with what life throws at us even when it is the you know the dark sides of it and when we lose people that's you know that's part of why we write that's why we create and i think it's beautiful that you're making sure that his voice makes it out there and his performance makes it out there i think i lost someone i heard a noise no nope. okay good <laughs> um, like so a for my, my dog's outside the door whining you oh, might hear that <laughs> it actually sounded oh, like a little like doo doo oh it's her yeah it's yeah, her <laughs> oh, pup. Um, I am curious, though, if you're okay with talking about that, um, the 11th hour for a little bit. Um, where did that story come from? Uh, Allison, that's all you. I'm going to open the door so the dog doesn't freak out. That works. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, ha- hmm. uh, I would say, okay, I'm trying to think how it started. <laughs> I can't <laughs> even remember. Um, I had been really wanting to write like a 1970s trucker character for a while um there was just something really compelling I don't I don't know why but I there's something really compelling and uh, I've been watching the you know <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit <laughs> and those old trucker movies and the CB radio and everything so I wanted to write that character and then see I think that's the thing when, when I write episodes is a lot of times it's because I have I have a couple of characters that I want to write or have a couple of ideas and then I just end up somehow smooshing them together in the same episode. I, I don't know. Or I'm just like, well, what would happen if this character and this character were the same episode? So I had the trucker character that I wanted to write. Uh, and then, <laughs> so our producer, Bill, <laughs> Bill Frankie, mm-hmm. um, we would often um, have our readings at the law firm where he worked. And I could... <laughs> And I could never remember the name of the law firm because it was like a, it was like a, you know, a chain of lawyers' names, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, you know, partners. Um, and so I'd always just call it Bill's Law Firm. <laughs> and I was like, can you imagine like if in a small town that was like the name of somebody's law firm? <laughs> it was just like Bill's Law Firm. <laughs> and so, so they had this location I wanted to write. Mm. And then uh, the rest of it, just I can't even remember where I decided that an actual a deus the Deus Ex Machina concept. If what if that were a, a, a real if there were just a, a person who was one, <laughs> then yeah. then it just uh, I, I can't I can't remember honestly how it all came together. <laughs> <laughs> and 
um, but but those are those are like the 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 three components of it. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I like just even just that like you I like that you latch on to characters and I think that makes sense as you know coming more from an actor's background you start with a character and then kind of build from there. Um, with I don't know who wrote this one, forgive me, but Rainbow Magic Kittens is one of my favorites, and it's also one of the ones that won you a Parsec? No. Um, Audioverse. Audioverse Award for Best Original Composition. Um, but where did that one come from? Because that one's just so delightfully bizarre. <laughs> uh, is Nicole there, Todd? Yeah, let me, let me, you want to talk to my wife, Nicole? She wrote that Sure. One, and that's, let me, let me, burn, let me see if I can get her. Hold on just a second. Surprise guest. <laughs> Dan, you're back from the basement. Yeah. While yeah, we're waiting. This is one of our favorites, too. <laughs> I love it. While we're waiting, Allison, if you can hear me, I yeah. just wanted to, I just wanted to thank you for for uh, what I s said earlier that I think got lost was, you know, thank you for letting the librarian set you on fire. That was uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> All right, everybody. Too, Dan. <laughs> Nicole Grevy. Hi. Author Hello. of Rainbow. I'm gonna go monitor the dog and the boy. Awesome. Hi, Hi. Nicole. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Good. Um, so I was just terribly curious because Rainbow Magic Kittens is one of my favorite episodes of uh, Uncanny County, and I was wondering where did that one come from initially? Oh, that's so kind. Thank you. First of all, yeah. Um, the uh, the title actually came from uh, my nephew who um, had worked out in his head this whole, um, we, we kidded that it was going to be a Disney show about Rainbow Magic Kittens. Mm -hmm. um, he was, uh, I want to say, five at the time, I think. And, um, and I thought it was such a funny title that I thought it would make a good launching off point for a show. Um, but um, the, the plot of the episode came from, um, I myself actually lost my mom to cancer when I was 10 and she was 35. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of the uh, the story then came from my own wanting to look again at that sense of grief and loss when when you're a kid, and uh, and not to spoil the end of the episode, but I had initially planned in my head, of course, that the Rainbow Magic Kittens were going to be evil because, of course, they were. Of course. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that didn't really work for the story, and it wasn't until. Uh, I finally sort of latched on to the idea of them being kind of the avenging angels that the whole piece came into focus. Yeah, not I, evil. There we go. Right? Right, exactly. Yeah, not evil, because certainly the people they're going after deserve it. Right. Um, and uh, and that was something else, too. The, uh, the uh, lawyer, for example, is actually based on something that I read about in the news um, a few months oh. before I started work on the episode. And, uh, you know, the, the old guy at the beginning, you know, that's a, a you know, <laughs> that's <exactly> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but there, there was a real sense of, um, you know, of them as uh, well, like it said, you know, getting what you deserve. Mm -hmm. Um, and that idea of how lovely it would be sometimes to see these people with every opportunity in life who don't perhaps use it to the best, uh, best ends, get what they deserve. It would be beautiful. And the, uh, <laughs> If you haven't listened to this episode yet, you should go listen to it. But the thing with the parrots makes me laugh every <laughs> single time I listen to it. 
I actually am sort of rolling around doing a sequel. And if I do, it'll definitely be called Existential Panic Parrots. <laughs> nice. I sincerely hope you do. Because <laughs> they, they were hilarious. It was just, oh. It, it went from being like, oh, what's this mysterious thing to, oh, these are evil people to, wow, not at all what I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Excellent. Well, it really was a great joy to record. And I was so, so proud of uh, the work that, that all of the uh, actors put into it. They really did turn it into what I was hearing in my head, which was lovely. With, um, with Rainbow Magic Kittens, what was, uh, was there a part of the story that you found particularly difficult or was it that kind of just wrestling with the fact that you wanted the kittens to be maybe evil but maybe not that was the, that was the hardest part of it i had all kinds of plot lines that i went through in my head um hold on one second is he okay what happened oh um, I, I, I thought i heard a kitten <laughs> that's no, what i that thought was, it was at first was i was like oh girl. no is it one of the kittens um, <laughs> That's, yeah. that's what I thought at first, too. I was like, is that one of the kittens? Oh, no. <laughs> that's the six-year-old. Although they sound surprisingly similar when they stub their toes. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, I, uh, Todd looks like he's got it under control. Okay. Um, the, uh, the, yeah, the hardest thing for me was giving up the idea that they were going to be something evil. Um, because I just really had hung my hat on that idea. And I tried time after time after time because I also knew I wanted a young boy in it. And the story just didn't work and just didn't work until I finally thought, well, what if they're not the bad guys in the story? Yeah. And, uh, and then it started to make sense because I knew I wanted to write a story about a boy who wanted one of these uh, kittens desperately. Mm -hmm. But it didn't work with – I had all kinds of images of him coming to a bad end and all kinds of things. And, but, but none of it fit and, and made a complete story until I was finally willing to let go of them being the bad guys. I like that. And it, it just kind of came to fruition that way. Um, are Allison slash Nicole, um, are you particularly excited about some of the episodes you've been writing for this upcoming season? Allison, you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there's one uh, I'm particularly excited about that I have that I had to take a break from because I really, it's one that is, it's dependent on a couple of actors availability and they live out of town and it's, it was, it, I needed to write something that could, um, that we could record right away. <laughs> so I had to, I did put it on the back burner so I could, um, I could write something that we could record in a couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, it is, uh, uh, well, I will just tell you, you know, we're, it's a Bigfoot episode. Nice. So we figured we needed one, um, at some point. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I like that. And I like the research for that. You know, I was watching documentary, <laughs> can they be called documentaries? Sure. <laughs> documentaries like, like, uh, Oklahoma Bigfoot. Did you know <laughs> that <laughs> Oklahoma, I did not. Todd and I are from actually has a Bigfoot festival, oh, wow. <laughs> which I was hoping to go to maybe this year. I don't think I'm going to make it though. But, uh, anyway, I, I love things like that where I can go in and just like, immerse myself in in the the lore and call it work <laughs> you know I'm like I'm just gonna sit around and watch um shows about Bigfoot now um but it's my job <laughs> so, so uh yeah that's that's been that's been pretty fun um nice. and then we have lots of we have lots of other ideas that we're um we're kicking around which are intriguing but I I kind of 
Todd is able to like have like a million scripts going at once and mm -hmm. like bounce back and forth and you know between them and I I really have to focus on one at a time um, because I you know I just I get in that headspace and um, I, I I really can't pull myself out of it um, so I had to take take the this one and put it on the um, the back burner for now so I could focus on another one. Yeah, and I'm really excited about um, some of Todd's as well. And I'm excited to see whatever Nicole comes up with next. I don't, I don't know specifics about what she's working <laughs> on, but I understand that there are a couple, and and uh, her writing is is really extra special. And Rainbow Magic Kittens is is our, you know, one of our favorite episodes too. Nice. I, mean, just, <laughs> I know I mean, the uh, the events of November definitely affected me, um, yeah. and so I'm writing one right now that was sort of inspired by a. Uh, the media, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and my dad sadly died during post production of Rainbow Magic Kittens, and and part of that was a love letter to him because he had been a single parent for uh, quite a bit of of my brothers and my childhood, and so I was very sad that he never got to hear the finished product because yeah. he's the he's the reason I love horror to begin with because he sat me on his lap when he was five, when I was five and we watched uh, The Blob together. <laughs> um, but on the way back from uh, from his funeral, we passed by a uh, a rundown hotel called the Ridgeway Inn, and uh, Todd was like, "That would be a great name for an episode." And I was like, "I would like to have that, please." <laughs> so, so I'm hoping to to have that one out this season too, as sort of a you know a, a, a um, homage to my father. Yeah. I and I think that's beautiful how you you are drawing such personal drawing from such personal experience with these what seems on the surface like just a it's a it's you know it's a twilight zone -y kind of thing but then if you look even just slightly deeper it has all of this depth and it has all of this truth to it and I, I just I really admire what all of you have been creating for this podcast and speaking of below the surface one last episode I really wanted to bring up was the spice home is where the spice is like oh, uh, let me go grab Todd back for okay that one. perfect <laughs> and tag team our son had a tumble off the piano stool but he's okay okay good. he's fine I do apologize for laughing. I seriously thought it was a cat in the background. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it was it was kind of a spectacular fall, but he's okay. Aww. See, that's a good thing about being a kid, though. You're good at falling down and getting up. Yeah, but I like how, like, okay, I'm going to go wrangle the kid, and then he has the fall. I'm like, oh, I'm like perpetuating the sitcom dad myth. It's yeah. amazing. Aww. I wanted to ask you <laughs> about mm -hmm. Home is Where the Spices episode, because that one is another oh. one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, thank you. Where did that um, one start? That one... Uh, boy, I'm trying to remember the exact genesis of it. Um, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I had a different episode I was planning on doing, and I was having trouble breaking the story. Mm -hmm. And I kept coming back to it and I just I knew I wasn't going to solve it it's another one that got uh, ultimately the script got pushed to season two mm -hmm. but um, I kept coming back to this idea and what it was was you know pumpkin spice all of a sudden everywhere you look there's pumpkin spice and it used to drive me nuts just you can't get anything without pumpkin spice everything's pumpkin spice and I kind of had this same idea of you know this 
just basically that was the jumping off point. And of course, we were also heading up to an election that I thought was going to go a very different way. Mm -hmm. Um, But even then, I was uh, kind of chicken little in the group uh, of my group of friends and that I was not convinced that it was going to go the way uh, we wanted to, which, you know, full disclosure, I'm a screaming liberal and uh, I thought it was going to go the other way. Yeah. Um, however, in writing the script and in having this sense of foreboding and doom, uh, it turned into this political thing. And just the whole thought of uh, that kind of fed my, my thought of, uh, you know, the dangers of groupthink, the dangers of everyone just kind of going along with what everyone else thinks. Um, and in many ways, that actually being, you know, worse than disagreeing and fighting with people. Uh, Boy, I'm really babbling on this one. I... <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's a complex situation. It really it is. is. So it's I understand why it's hard to articulate what actually happened there. But yeah, it's kind of like everybody bought into this thing that brainwashed them into believing things a certain way. And and it's it was kind of cool that it was all this middle America stuff because of course we know <laughs> what happened. <laughs> right. Well, and of course, you know, once I really started getting into the nuts and bolts of the script, I realized that I didn't want to say either way who won. Um, Obviously, because, you know, me being me, I would have recorded two versions because I, you know, even I would have been afraid I would have jinxed it, even if I had thought it was going to go, you know, the the way I wanted it to. Um, And I also knew that, you know, whatever, whoever won, that argument was not over and that that was going to continue. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, that certainly has proven to be true. Um, <laughs> and I think would have been true the other way as well. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it kind of synced up because I had this idea of the pumpkin spice and the idea that everyone's drinking the pumpkin spice and I've tried it. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know why these people love the pumpkin spice, but yes, it's, it seems like it's some people's life and God bless them. Um, <laughs> But it did start to seem to me like, you know, oh, wait, maybe they're putting something in the spice. Everyone's thinking alike. And it was kind of this aha moment where I realized that it was politics and brainwashing and all these things I could put together in kind of a, you know, uh, invasion of the body snatchers kind of Mm -hmm. feel also. But then it kind of turned into a whole hive mind thing. And, you know, that kind of made its own thing different from body snatchers uh where you've got the the hive mind and the people all thinking the same and talking the same and having the same verbal tics and the weird thing you know i I spent a long time trying to come up with the verbal tick of the mother mm-hmm. you know how that play out and other people are saying it um am i answering your question at all <laughs> i think yes <laughs> you definitely are um a little thrown by the injury on the playing field earlier that, yeah that makes sense it's kind of he sounds like he's okay in the background though yeah he's he's good that's and good. his dog lying here peacefully. Um, but yeah, it uh, it ultimately really came together. It came together very quickly uh, because, as I said, I, I ended up writing it um, kind of as a last minute hail mary, knowing mm-hmm. that we had a slot coming up. Um, and I was very pleased with how it turned out. That was the one where we opened it up. I think I'd mentioned earlier mm-hmm. and had auditions for people outside, and they really brought a lot to it that I hadn't pictured it was the same kind of thing where they really brought it to life in ways i hadn't quite seen it um i am curious though do you think there might be a part two to that one since it did kind of 
leave on an unfinished note kind of like the election as well? I, I, I don't. Uh, I mean, you know, never say never. True. But um, that one to me, you know, I feel like that's as close as we've come to really ending the world in one of our stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense that, you know, even the FBI agents have got it spread. It's everywhere. They're going to keep growing. They, you know. Um, so I, you know, and one of the conversations we had early on when we were developing the show, Allison and I, one of our rules of the storytelling was we wanted everybody to tell their own story and we'll have connections where appropriate. We'll repeat characters where we can, but the story has to serve its own needs. The story has to be the story. And if that, if that means that the world ends in your story, then the world ends in your story. If that means all the recurring characters in that story and that story ends, well, the world ends. Well, next, next month it's a new world again. And, you mm-hmm. know, the same character can, can be back. I guess it's a little like, you know, Kenny on South Park or whatever, as far as that's concerned. <laughs> um, but with the whole world as Kenny. Um, so, yeah, with that one, uh, the concept of the hive mind I find interesting. And it, it I don't know, may, may, maybe. Maybe we'll look at it. I, I know we... There is one story from season one where I'm already looking at a possible sequel, so we'll nice. we'll see if that uh, maybe maybe season three maybe maybe there you go. <laughs> we'll see what happens with Spice. I like it. Um, and whew, things are dropping on our end, just not audio wise, but actually gravity wise. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you've kind of given us a little bit of a sneak peek, just like in your excitement and Bigfoot, for example. Um, into season two. Um, but are there any other themes that you're going to be touching on that you care to share with us? You know, I'd mentioned that uh, with the sophomore slump and uh, our reactions to world events of the past few months, I, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're, we're probably going to be a little more political. I think uh, we're not running away from it. I don't, you know, I, I, I'd like myself, my own tales to approach it in kind of a Rod Serling way. Mm-hmm. maybe a little off center and you know in a way that might make someone think um i don't want to jam my politics down anybody's throat mm-hmm. but uh i think the world is a complex place and i think a lot of people forget that if that makes sense it does no, i mean that's sense. what story is supposed to do is to create discussion and dialogue and educate you without you realizing it you know the twilight zone the old star trek episodes they were all great at that Without beating you over the head, we're learning and seeing something. And if you looked carefully, obviously you could tell what people were saying, but sure. it wasn't, you know, in your face. And, you know, the fact that you have a respect for that is, I think, really cool because that's how you that's how you convert people and, and change people's ideas is whenever it sneaks in. And, and that's kind of what story does. It sneaks in without you realizing it and you're learning while you're being entertained. Well, I, I think that's right, and thank you for that. Um, I, I, I think it's particularly true, you know, with, with Twilight Zone, Star Trek, which are both excellent examples of that. Um, it's it's more um, – my son just wanted to point out that he loves Star Trek. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, TOS. Uh, and I, I, think it's, I think it's easier to see uh, the metaphor and what they're going for in hindsight than it was necessarily at the time because, yes. you know, obviously storytelling uh, continues to evolve and move forward in the styles and the formats. And so, yeah, hopefully we can, you know, sneak a little in there, here and there. And uh, again, yeah, like, like it says, it's not about it's, – it's about 
trying to get people to see things from another perspective, mm -hmm. you know, um, another character point of view, another uh, mind view. So yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's that's the goal. But th th thank you for that. It's, uh, You're welcome. Dan, did you have any other questions you wanted to ask uh, before Victoria pulled you away again? <laughs> well, if if you're not going to ask the question, Jeanette, I'm going to ask. Please the do. Art, the, the art is amazing. Yes, it I is. I love that retro kind of movie uh, poster style. And I'm just curious where that came from. You know, the idea I, to go that route and, and keep it so consistent. Um, I think that when we were talking about the artwork, we both... Um, we we both thought that the uh, the the covers of the old um, like uh, what like uh, Twilight Zone yeah what Tales I, from the Crypt those kinds of things the yeah Red like the comic book cover type of thing yeah yeah that yeah. just made that just made the sense old, to us. yeah specifically the old Twilight Zone cover the Twilight Zone comic book covers there was a Twilight Zone comic book uh, yeah. for several years uh, you know. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I mean, so, you know, the dark ages, but, um, yeah, that was just the aesthetic, the aesthetic that we felt went with the, that we were trying to create, um, you know, through audio, like if, if, if our audio had an aesthetic, that was it. And, um, we went to, um, uh, we ended up going to a friend of, um, mine from college, uh, Farzi, who, um, is also from Oklahoma or lived in Oklahoma for college. And, um, and she's, she's a graphic designer and she was just, uh, spot on. We said, this is what we want. And she, she did it. Yeah. It, I mean, the art is gorgeous. so powerful. It's such a big part of getting that across, you know, and, and I always like the visual aspect because it's such an, you know, it's an audio medium. It, there's no moving pictures. There's nothing to watch, but the art kind of ties everything together. Um, so yeah, it's really cool, really cool stuff. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned how awesome the art was. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Enjoyed uh, working with her to put those together and uh, look forward to doing more for season two. Awesome. Um, and then the I, I had did one more thing I wanted to ask you guys about, and it was the name Uncanny County, um, which I think is fun that you're playing off of the Uncanny Valley, where things are just a little bit like our world, but weird enough that it's really kind of uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> how did you decide on just the name of your podcast? It was the <laughs> long development process. I mean, over that year you know, where we were kind of building and developing, I'd say the first several months were mainly Allison and I either in person or online in a Google Doc, trading ideas, concepts, characters, storylines, settings, places we thought could recur, places we'd like to see a story, whatever. And yeah, that, that specter of coming up with the name was hanging over our head for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And we finally just started really just brainstorming and just throwing out words and, you know, ideas. And, you know, we, we toyed briefly with the idea of actually using Uncanny Valley, mm -hmm. but realized it was probably a very bad idea because it's actually a thing mm -hmm. and uh, brings a certain uh, connotation to it anyway, uh, as far as just like robotics. And that's mm -hmm. kind of makes seem like that's all the show is. Um. I don't, I, I, 
I don't remember. It may have been Allison. I think it was Allison that added county to uncanny. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. It was just a lot of back and forth throwing, you know, a couple of words that we liked around and pairing them with other words. And eventually we got there. <laughs> you know, we always knew we wanted it to be, you know, southwestern U.S. where, you know, we both are from Oklahoma. I spent a lot of time in Texas as well. Um, some of our other we have another writer working with us, uh, Tom Bartos, season two, New Mexico, you know, like lots of. Just that whole area has a real kind of mysticism and weirdness to it mixed in with, you know, kind of the straightforward Americana. Mm -hmm. um, so we knew we really wanted to capture that and the whole kind of small town feel of it. And for whatever reason, county kind of said that to us. Yes. Because yeah. you know, it's not it's not the city. It's the county, you know, just a little off the beaten path. <laughs> beautiful. I think that's beautiful. <laughs> so, Dan. I'm giving you another opportunity. I know you had a bunch of questions, so. No, I'm good. I'm good at this point. I mean, they, they I think it was a fun discussion. I really Ditto. appreciate, you know, Allison and Todd, you taking the time out of your schedules to talk with us. And, you know, we've, we've traded and corresponded so many times. It was nice to actually have an opportunity to speak with you and just yeah, kind of get your thoughts and geek out on all this stuff. I'm it sorry was. we missed you in New York. Uh, we had an interview scheduled like last last uh, fall, and uh, Todd and I both like had I, stuff going on that was mm -hmm. stuff that came came up that day. I was I was so sick for like most of. I think you remember oh, when we were trying to record Wicked Library, and I couldn't because I didn't yeah. have a voice. And anyway, it didn't work out. I was really sorry not to meet y'all in person. So hopefully. Um, you know, next time, hopefully, you get up here again soon. We can actually meet you in person. Yeah. <laughs> now the new yeah, you were definitely missed. You know, the the cast of No Sleep asked about you, David. Uh, I know we well. missed No Sleep. Yeah. Sleep. It was just like a. It was like, you know, just bad day. Yeah. <laughs> Those things Everything happen. just fell together in the worst possible way that day. Yeah. And, yeah. Next it time. Happens. Yeah. Next yeah. time. For sure. Um. So thank you. Allison, Todd, and your wife, Nicole, for all of you coming on and talking about your story making and your stories with us. And uh, where can people find you guys online and connect with you? Um, uncannycounty.com. Uh, and then we have the handle Uncanny County on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. And so you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, uh, iHeartRadio, Google uh, Play. Yeah, Google Play, TuneIn, you know, most most places uh, where you get your podcasts, uh, you can find us. Perfect. And thank you guys for listening to the Ninth Story podcast. And we'll make sure to add all sorts of show notes to this episode where you can find each episode that we talked about and links to all of the things, including uncannycounty.com. So, Thank you, guys. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. It was a pleasure. This was incredible. I am sorry that we didn't get to see each other in person, but hey, I'm only in Connecticut. It's not that far. Dan, it's more of a trek for you. <laughs> yeah. He's just, yeah. <laughs> and so I was a little overwhelmed uh, by New York. Uh -huh. uh, assuming we're post-recording now, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I've never been into New York before, and I have this oh. thing and this thing with with um it, it i don't i just i was a little uncomfortable but it was all right it's, it's a lot got the courage to get back there again someday <laughs> well uh you're you're in uh so i'm i'm 
at for the next year or so, I'm living in Cleveland. So, um, you know, and commuting to New York for recording and stuff. So how far is Cleveland from Pittsburgh? You're like an hour and a half, two hours away. It's not far. Well, heck. Well, heck. You know, maybe we can, you know, make that happen. Yeah, we'll have to. You know, okay. we'll have to, we, we can, we'll have to collaborate on. Oh, that would be awesome. I just yeah. fucked up at Pittsburgh. You're in Pittsburgh? The answer is yes, even though you couldn't hear it. <laughs> Pennsylvania natives. I'm like, oh, Pittsburgh. Well, her brother lives there. Yeah, true. Nice. Um, I actually shot an episode of a Netflix show in Pittsburgh last oh, cool. summer uh, called Mind Hunter. Mind Hunter. Oh. Um, which is a, about a serial, the, about the guy who invented profiling for serial killers. Oh, cool. Back in the 70s. It, it, it looks like it's going to be a pretty cool show. Were you a serial killer? No. Oh, bummer. <laughs> I think I can say I was a cop. I think it's fair to say that. Nice. <laughs> we should wind down. Our yeah. our son has a callback soon for a film. Awesome. His lines. Yeah. Well, uh, no problem. A, you got you guys do horror films, right? We do. Well, we did. Um, we've have, been more have, focused on uh, the podcasting and internet world at the moment. Have you seen the trailers for the movie It Comes at Night? Yes, actually. That's our son, the little kid in it. That's yeah. your son? Oh my yeah. gosh! Congratulations, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, he's in that. And he's in a he's a recurring character in a Netflix show coming up. Uh, we think this summer. We think we don't know when it, they never say when they're going to release stuff. They just kind of release it. So. Yeah, they're just like, and you know, it's up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's so in it that. Was, uh, do you know the name of the Netflix show? Or Friends not... from college. Friends, Friends from college. From college. And uh, Keegan Michael Key is in it, and Kobe Smulders. Fred Savage. Fred Savage. Awesome. So. What's What's your son's name? Griffin Robert Faulkner. That's awesome. his professional name. We go by Griffin at home, right? Yeah. That's right. You can talk to Yeah, totally. Yeah, you okay. Have, you have a voice from the tub. That's right. He's been in two of our episodes. Oh, nice. He was at the end of the tub, and then he was the jackalope in our Christmas show. You did, oh, that's awesome. You did a fantastic job as the jackalope. She just said you did a fantastic job as the jackalope. What do you say? Thank you. <laughs> he just passed out. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's, that is awesome. Well, I'll let you guys get to uh, rehearsing your lines. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It was our pleasure. We we had a great time. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank Thanks, you, guys. Allison. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to episode 512 of the Ninth Story Podcast. And extra special thanks to all of our guests this week. Allison Crane, Todd Faulkner, Nicole Grevy. Griffin Robert Faulkner, and last but certainly not least, our very own Dan Foytek, everybody. <laughs> Insert applause here, or just slow clap on your end. Either way, I'm excited. Once again, I'm Jeanette Andromeda, and if you'd like to talk to us, you can reach us on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Ninth Story Podcast. Over there, you can talk to all of, well, yeah, pretty much all of the authors that we've had on the podcast so far this season, as well as other listeners like you. I love you. You're wonderful. Don't forget that. Question of the week. Would you drink the spice? All hail the spice. It's good, yeah? <laughs>
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.